Yeah, that was kind of said to me on Sunday. You know, like it or not, um, Sunday morning is the only word of God that people get. Um, that's bothersome to me, but that's reality. Um, so today at work, I, you know, I knew that I was going to be speaking to you tonight and had about two or three different things in my mind like I normally do about what I would say and you know, we've kind of been going through the book of Ephesians, and we, you know, Keith started out with Ephesians chapter 1 last week, and I was looking through Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, and I just began to think about things, and it was so cool how God just kind of put an image in my mind. Um, it, it was just, we actually, this week at my work, we are celebrating what's called Lab Week, and I work at a laboratory. I'm an IT director for a laboratory, and so anyway... Um, this week is lab week, and during lab week, we do lots of fun stuff, we do lots of, we do scavenger hunts, we do, I mean, you're like, okay, you've got a really tough job, Kenny. Uh, yes, uh, we do fun stuff uh, during lab week, we really do, we do scavenger hunts. Today, we did a basketball, uh, little miniature basketball shooting thing, I think I may have won that, I'll find out tomorrow if anybody beat me on second shift, but I shot 17 out of 21, which I felt like was pretty good, so... Uh, my percentage is high. That's a high percentage, ain't it, Keith? Okay. For a basketball man, that means a lot. 17 out of 21, that's good, huh? Okay, so anyway, now the bad news is I did my little softball toss to get it in there, but it worked, bro. It don't matter how it goes in as long as it goes in, right? Yeah, so anyway, so during lab week, one of the things that we always do every single year, I have no idea why, but we always do this. Uh, we always tie-dye stuff. We always have one day where we tie-dye things, and I'm like, I don't know why we do that. I didn't bring anything to tie-dye today, but what happened was is that our lab director, she said, you know what? The managers are going to participate. You're not going to just hang out in your cubicle and, and, and not, uh, not get out there and do stuff with the rest of the lab employees, so you're going to get out there and you're going to do stuff. So I went ahead and I bought you scarves and socks for you to tie-dye. So I've got the, the socks out in the car, but I brought the scarf up here because this is what kind of spoke to me today. So... I was thinking about what Ephesians chapter 2 says. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But I was thinking about the way that we view the church a lot of times. Even myself, admittedly, when I think about other pastors, I think about other pastors that look like me. I really do. I think about pastors that, you know, maybe they're a little bit older, admittedly, but, but they're usually like, like mid to, to older, middle-aged to older white guys. That's what I think about, right? That's... At, but fortunately, I will say this, that I've got a pastor in Uganda that sends me messages on Facebook. I don't know how he got in touch with me. We have some mutual friends. Our mutual friends are not people that I really talk to. They just happen to be mutual friends. And he found me, and he sends me messages. I've also got this guy that I met in Haiti uh, when I went there back in 2013. And he randomly showed up on Facebook, and he messages me all the time. I mean, it's just these random messages. So... Um, Safani, I hope you're listening. I hope you're watching this. He watches a Facebook Live. It's really cool. And Ronald, if you're watching this in Uganda, I mean, I love you guys, and I'm thankful for you guys. Um, but I have a tendency to think very narrow-mindedly, and I, I was thinking about this, this little scarf that I tied out today. That's a pretty good job, by the way, isn't it? You like that, right? Yeah. I just got a hand-raised amen out of the, out of the scarf. Like, like, yes, that is a good scarf. Amen. So anyway, 
it, it was white, right? I mean, like it was completely white. It was it's supposed to be a bandana. That's what it's supposed to be, but it's supposed to be tie-dyed. So it was white. And it was in this package, you know, and I got it out. And I started tie-dyeing it, and it came out really cool. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to show this to some people. I had no idea I was going to show it to all y'all. But anyway, so I was just thinking about, man, this is the better picture of the Christian church, right? This, this is what it's supposed to look like. Different colors coming from all different places, and it's just meshing together, and it makes something beautiful and something wonderful. And man, how much better does this look than just a plain white handkerchief scarf thing. I mean, like, this is so much more beautiful. And the church of Jesus Christ is so much more beautiful when people that are different in a lot of ways, when they come together as one body for one purpose, and, man, they they just kind of mesh together. They kind of blend together. The colors overlap, and you can't tell where one color starts and the other kind of stops. And I think if we've got one shortfall in the American church, and maybe even in this church, is that sometimes... We're not doing enough to bring people that don't look like us into this place where they can be one of us. I think that if we have one shortfall, it's that we hang out with a lot of people that look like us and act like us because when you get other people involved, it kind of messes up what you got going on, right? Like it gets a little bit messy when you got somebody that's homeless and you're hanging out with them. And you go to Subway and you have a meal with them, you know, and it's not like when you go to Fuji and have a meal with your friends, right? Like, it gets a little messy. It, it, don't, it don't really jive with your whole mojo and what you'd like to be doing on Wednesday nights. So we don't really like to do that so much because it might make us a little bit uncomfortable. So therefore, we just hang out with the people we're used to hanging out with, and that's good enough. And it looks plain white is what it looks. And it don't look like this. It don't look like this. So I was watching a, a Francis Chan video, and admittedly, I, I only got part of the way through it, but we're going to watch it tonight. Just Francis Chan talking about persecution of Christians in India and how it just burdened his heart. So I just want to watch that for a few minutes um, and, and just let it speak to us about how when we think about the Christian church, we need to think beyond these four walls. We need to think beyond Oxford, Alabama, Calhoun County, Alabama, the United States of America. we got to think globally when we talk, when we talk about the Christian church. We gotta we gotta break free from our mindset that we have so often. We we gotta get out of our pattern a little bit and start to think about some other people in some other places. Now I know, look, I know you're gonna say, well, Kenny, we built a well in Cambodia, and we're, we you know we might build another one this year in Uganda, and 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 like you know we're constantly going down to Haiti, and, and you know we're we're buying motorcycles, and we're doing all kinds of stuff, right? So I mean, we're just doing all kinds of stuff globally. Yes. But I still think locally what we're doing here is we're not doing as good of a job locally as we're doing globally. You know what I'm saying? Like we need to take that picture of our global mindset and our global heart set and bring it here and start acting here like we do when we're in Haiti. Don't you agree? All right, so let's watch this video.
I have a tendency to forget. I'm not saying it's entirely our fault. It really isn't because we're surrounded by people that look like us and act like us all the time. And we, but we do forget. And we've got to be reminded. And we've got to be reminded what the body of Christ looks like in Ephesians chapter 2. This is what Paul writes to the church of Ephesus. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected their, only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises of God, the promises God had made to them. You lived in this world but without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to Him through the blood of Christ. It's just a couple of things I want to point out to you tonight, and I'll be kind of brief. For one, he says that the Jews are proud of their circumcision, and it was only an external representation of their relationship with God and it was not internal that God does not look at the external he looks at the internal and and now that he's looking at these Jews he's going he's going man you guys don't get it he's looking at the Gentiles don't forget where you came from and the biggest thing that that happens to us so many times is we forget where we came from we forget that we were outsiders we forget how nasty and filthy our lives looked before Christ. And, and now we just all we can see is ourselves and we get in our little holy huddles and, and that's all we talk about is, is how good we are and, and all the good things we're doing. That's a problem. That's a problem. The problem is we got to remember where we came from sometimes and remember that we lived in the world without God and without hope. That we too were in that place. And I'm afraid sometimes we aren't looking to those people that are without God and without hope. Unless, unless they're riding with us to the basketball game or the football game on Friday night. And then we're like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, I need to reach out to that person. It goes beyond the, per, the person sitting right next to you. It goes beyond the person that you hang out with all the time. The groups that you are constantly with all the time. It goes to the people that are without hope and without God. And a lot of times those people don't look like us. The Gentiles didn't look like the Jews. The Jews were very proud of their citizenship. They were very proud of who they were. They were very proud of the fact that their bloodline was clean. It wasn't contaminated with all these nasty Gentiles. I said, you know what? We have, we have got a holy people here, and our bloodline represents the, the blessing of God. And now Jesus Christ comes along and says, you know what? That's just an external thing. That's just an external thing that, that, that there is, is no difference between man and woman, Jew or Gentile. He says there's no difference. And that starts to freak everybody out because that was very anti-culture for them. That was not their culture. Their culture was that women were to be looked down upon. They were just there to be something that was to be used. They were supposed to sit quietly and not speak. And that's the way they were seen. And they were supposed to disassociate with people that didn't, weren't of their bloodline. 
They weren't supposed to intermarry with them and all of that stuff. And, and so, so they, they understood that so much so that they became prideful of who they were. They became prideful of their relationship with God, that they were God's chosen people. Do you realize that that could be a source of pride for you? That, that, that your relationship with God can be so strong that it actually overwhelms you to the point where you don't look and you don't humble yourself enough to look at other people as you were. I, I think that this is something we suffer from, y'all. I really do. I think that we have a tendency to, to not want to get messy with Christianity. I, I think we have a tendency to not want to intermix with people that don't look like us and talk like us and act like us. Because you know what? Sometimes homeless people come in and... They, uh, maybe they're high, maybe they're drunk, and we go, man, we can't have that in the church. I heard stories about people that preach in downtown L.A., and the only people that come to their, their church services are people that are drunk. And I'm like, isn't that the picture of Christ? Isn't that the picture of what we're supposed to be doing? I'm afraid so many times we go the other direction, and... It's good, y'all, to have a heart for Haiti. It really is. But if we don't have a heart for the people across the street, we've got a problem. Verse 14 says, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. Okay, so Jesus brought peace. You would be so surprised at how much disunity is even within the church. People get where they don't like something. I don't like this. I don't like that. Sometimes they leave. Sometimes they just stay and gripe. Can I tell you that the only place that you will have unity is in Jesus Christ? And the, the, the more selfishness that, that wells up inside of you, the more pride that wells up inside of you, the more disunity you will have. Pride is nothing more than selfishness. And all sin stems from pride. If you want to be on guard against something, you want to be on guard against not being in these holy huddles, not, not being always with people that are just like you, then humble yourself and get away from that pride. And the closer you get to Christ, the more humble you become. The more you allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in your life, the more humble you become. There's some people in this room that have never hugged a homeless person. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people. Why? Why have you never hugged a homeless person? Have you never been around a homeless person? Have you never fed a homeless person? Have you never had dinner with a homeless person? Why not? Why not? Is that okay? Is that okay? You know, sometimes I believe that people like the ones in the, in the video, I feel like they're better off than we are in a lot of ways. I really do. They're being persecuted for Christ because of their belief in Christ, because of their hope in Christ, and being persecuted because of that. And you know what they do? They just beg people to come and just, just be a part of this. Like, they don't care what they look like. They don't care what they act like. They're like, man, you want to be a Christian, it's hard, but come and be part of this. 
Being a Christian is so easy here in the United States of America that, that people just show up and then we don't want other people to come in. And I'm like, man, I would rather be in a church like that where I got 10 people that are just begging God to have mercy on them, their souls so that they don't die today. And then when they reach somebody, they really reach somebody. And they don't care what they look like. There's not a lot of disunity within their churches. They're not arguing over the music style. They're not arguing over this or that. or You know what? They're just happy to be alive today so they can worship Christ another day. But pride wells up, selfishness comes in, and we become so focused on us that we can't see anybody else. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body, on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. You understand... And when you say, when you confess and you get in the water and say, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives within me, that you put your selfishness to death, that you become something different than what you were. When you truly follow Christ, and it's not just a facade, then you are humble like Christ was humble, and you look at people in a different way, that you put your selfishness to death when you follow Christ. Do you understand that? Do you understand that that's what Paul is saying to these people? Like, man, you've got to get rid of all this stuff that's, that's separating you. You, you you're, you're looking at things all the wrong way. So then, he, so he, he talks about the body, that, that Christ reconciled everybody together in one body both groups, to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He said, it died then. And he says, okay, so, so that, that body died and Christ brought us together in a new body. Listen to what he says. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You don't, you're not different than us. You don't look different than us now. Whether you have a house or you don't have a house, you're like one of us. You're citizens along with all of God's people. You're members of God's family. Together, we are His house. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And, we're, and the, the cornerstone is Christ Jesus Himself. So why does, he, why does He use the term cornerstone there? Because when you begin to build a house... You start with the cornerstone. If the corners are messed up, the whole house is going to be messed up. Can we agree on that? So when you lay Christ at the foundation and say, you know what? Christ is a cornerstone. The apostles and the prophets, they, 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 they lay the foundation. When everything is lined up perfectly with Christ, then the house is built the right way. But if you don't line it up with Christ and you aren't the way Christ is, then the walls get all crooked and the house is not stable and the house can easily fall. But Christ is the cornerstone. 
So we must focus and build everything around Christ and his mentality and his love and his passion for everybody. That there is no longer separation. That that all died with him on the cross. And we're to live like that. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a, new, a holy temple for the Lord. We, our bodies, our lives are hooked up to Jesus as the cornerstone. And, and now we're part of this body. Now, now we're, we're part of this unity that comes as part of being of the body of Christ. We're connected into Jesus Christ and now we function and we move and, and, and we're a living organism together, united as one. You can't do that if there's disunity. You can't do that if there's selfishness. If one of the bricks in the wall gets selfish and decides he's going to turn this way, what happens to the wall? The wall collapses. The wall collapses. You see, it's all got to be lined up with Christ, who's the cornerstone. And if you don't do that, if you're out of alignment, then what's going to happen? You're going to call, cause disunity to the whole group. You're going to cause the whole family, the whole body to be weak, to be weak. Now, some of you have experienced this firsthand, right? You've seen people that like to talk about what they don't like in the church or what they don't like about me or what they don't like about the music or what they don't like about the lights. Or I mean, you've seen that, right? And what does that do? It just creates weakness, doesn't it? It just creates weakness. That's all it does. I'm not saying that we aren't supposed to address issues in the church because we are. And we're supposed to strive to continually improve. And I'm all about that. But sometimes I think we take it to an unhealthy level because our selfishness wells up. And we're too concerned about ourselves and not concerned about reaching this world and us being lined up with Christ. And saying, you know what? All that matters is Christ. And we better be lined up with him. I was talking to John Henderson, very dear friend of mine. Sits back there on the back row every single Sunday. I love his input. I love his godly counsel. He said, I'm so sick of consumer Christianity. I'm so sick of people that are just going from one church to the next, seeing what, what they can get. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple of the Lord. Through him... You Gentiles are also becoming part of this dwelling where God lives by His Spirit. You know what's supposed to unify us with the people in India, with the, the people in India that are being persecuted every single day because of their love for Jesus Christ, their passion for Jesus Christ. It's supposed to be that Holy Spirit of God that lives within you. It's the same Spirit that lives within them. It's the same Spirit that lives within David Platt and Francis Chan and Ronald in Uganda. And Safani down in, in Haiti. It's the same Holy Spirit. Do you know how we stay in alignment with Christ? Is by listening to that Holy Spirit. Allowing that Holy Spirit to challenge us, to change us, to make us different. See, but a lot of people don't listen to the Holy Spirit. You know how I know that? Because a lot of people don't read the Word of God. The Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to change us every single day. The Holy Spirit is constantly guiding us and directing us. And what he uses is the word of God in order to be able to do that. 
And if you truly want to be in alignment with the Holy Spirit and be listening and, and tuned in to what God is saying and what God is trying to show you, then you got to be tuned into this word. you got to be tuned into the things that he has said already so the Holy Spirit can bring those things to your mind and continue to transform your mind and, be, and make you new every single day. Is that happening to you? Is that what's going on in your life? Or has selfishness taken over? And you're more worried about what you can get when you come to a Sunday morning service. Instead of glorifying God and wrapping your arms around somebody that would never come in a church. Never have a way to church. And say, you know what? Come and be a part of what we're doing. It won't be easy, but I I promise you it'll be worth it. Maybe it bothers you that you never hugged a homeless person. It should. It should. I promise you that promise you that they want your hugs that they want to be touched I think so much man when I talking to those people that, that just don't have anything man I, just, I think about the lepers in Jesus's day you know people were afraid to touch them they were afraid of what kind of germs would get on their hands we do the same thing today with people walking on the streets we're afraid to get dirty we're afraid of what we might catch Maybe you need to repent. I don't know. But I know this. And we're supposed to be one body. And we're all supposed to be in alignment with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. And if you're not, you should repent and come to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this word. Lord, how it does not leave me where I am. My God, there is hope in this word. There, there is hope in Jesus Christ. And And, Lord, these people in India that we just saw, Lord, they have hope. The reason they stand firm in their foundation is because they have hope in you. And, Lord Jesus, I just pray that we would be like that. I pray that we would be a people that aren't so consumed with ourselves that we we find our, our pleasure and our joy in ourselves, but we find our pleasure and our joy in Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that sometimes it's easy to let this creep in. I know it's easy to let selfishness creep in. But Lord, I thank you for this word just tonight. For example, just tonight, your word in Ephesians chapter 2 has challenged us. Your Holy Spirit has spoken to us. And now the question is, will we respond to your Holy Spirit? Now the question is, will we allow ourselves to be changed, to be transformed, to become new, to become more and more like your son Jesus? Or will we sit idly by and be selfish? God, we've all got that opportunity right now to make that choice. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in this place. God, it'd be so undeniable that you're speaking to people now. God, that we just fall on our face and repent. Come to you. God, be made new by you. God, that we remember this hope that we have and remember the place that we came from. God, we have a renewed passion and love for people that don't look and sound and talk and smell like us. God, I just pray that we would have something new inside of us when we walk out of this place. Father, thank you so much for speaking to us. We don't deserve it, but you do. So be glorified now as we're transformed in Jesus' name.